Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Right for Your Life podcast. And a huge welcome back to my co-host, Mike Hurley, who's returned from hospital after spending the last week in, uh, in a terrible way, with mm. uh, just covered in bee stings. Yeah, it was, I, I appreciate you keeping everybody informed about um, my situation last week. Um, and what I've done is uh, I've removed my nest from the top of my head um, to ensure that no bees return. Yeah, you've had a haircut. Yep, I figured it was uh, it was sensible considering the amount of pain that I'd gone through uh, weeks previous. Do you know, literally, literally, no people got in touch to ask if you were okay. That's that's charming, isn't it? Really. And if you didn't listen to last week's episode, we all a fortnight ago. Was episode, <laughs> no one listened then, to last week's episode. <laughs> this makes no sense. So we apologise. There was no show last week. Uh, that was because um, Mike was in uh, America, and I in treatment. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, and I, um, I, um, I was very busy. I was editing my novel, um, and I kind of, I was going to do another solo show. I was going to get a guest on, and then it came to it, and I just had to remember when we talked about sacrifice a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and how sometimes something just has to go, and you can't, you can't do, you can't do everything, and um, I found myself in that position last week. So I decided to let the week slip by without any podcast episode going out into the ether. And um, and um, and nothing bad happened, which is what I wrote about this week on on Right for Your Life. That if you're not if you're off the internet for a while, as I have been, sort of not tweeting as much, not blogging as much. Generally speaking, nothing terrible happens, and um, you get yourself into a bit of a tiz for a while. Then you start to feel guilty, and then you kind of realise that actually everything's okay and it's not a big problem. I agree and, with that. I, I've read that post on my way back from my holiday, so completely agreed. Like I've been away for a few days. Um, thought, oh no, I'm not going to know anything for next week's shows, but really it didn't matter because all of the news happened on Monday and Tuesday when I was when I was home on my way home. So, well, I find tech news is uh, is especially um, if you miss some. I mean, I, I as you know, I follow writing news because I'm a writer and I'm interested, and and I book publishing news, all that kind of thing. And then this other half of my person which um keeps up to date with technology and and design and all that kind of thing but technology news is such a fickle thing Mm. (laughs) it comes and goes there's a story there's not a story there's nonsense there's you know it's like a giant soap opera and if you don't watch coronation street which is uh, a long-running soap opera in the uk if you didn't know if you miss it for a week then you're not going to miss a great deal I hope there are no Cory fans listening to this. They might be upset about that. But, you know, if you miss a few episodes, then nothing terrible happens. You, you're all right. You can just jump back in and everything will be fine. And I think technology news is pretty much the same. And, and publishing news as well, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, and there was, so no podcast last week. I was editing my novel. And um, that's what we're going to talk about first. But then I'm also going to talk about Pinterest the 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 uh, the upstart, the incredibly successful upstart of the social media world, and uh, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on that as well, Mike. Okay. And um, and then I'm going to talk a bit about Tumblr, or in my case, what to do with Tumblr, because I've had a Tumblr account for a long time, and I've got a, a following of sorts on Tumblr in the sense I have people who follow me. Um, but they don't actually follow a great deal because I don't use it very much. So what do you do when you have a social media account that you don't really use that much? Do you just keep it just for the sake of having those followers or do you just sort of 
cut ties. And can you call Tumblr really a social media account? It's a tricky thing, but we'll talk about that later on too. And um, would that all sound good? Yeah, we're going to start off talking about editing your novel, right? Yeah, I think so. Just a bit of an update of, of where things are in case people are interested, I suppose. Um, so um, if you don't listen regularly, um, I have a novel that I've written. It's called Aester Angelica, and it's going to be published on the 1st of September um, in the UK. And it's also going to be... It's, I've actually found out, Mike, I don't know if I've told you this, but apparently the digital version, which a lot of people have been asking me about, comes out on the 1st of August. So that's actually a month. Whoa, hey yo. <laughs> where did I that know. come from? That's well, like two months away. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, this oh, is, dear, Ian. This is going to explain some of the panic that will come across in the rest of this section on editing my novel. I'm a bit scared now. Yeah, so I, I, I hadn't realised that at first. I mean, this whole the great thing about being a first-time author is that you all this sort of stuff has never happened to you before, so things come as a surprise, you're kind of learning how things work. In my case, I've been, I think, shy in asking questions when I should have asked questions, uh, and it's... It's um it's all new, which is a good thing. Um, but yes, yeah, so the the novel actually officially comes out, I suppose, on the first of August in, um, uh, you know, in Kindle on on, on Kindle and and hopefully, I guess, on in ebook version or in iBooks, I guess, if Apple allow it. Um, so that's quite exciting. So if you didn't know that, listeners, that's what's happening. That's why I'm editing my novel. Um. So the way it's worked, just a bit of a, an, an explanation for people who are maybe in the same situation or, or wanting to be in the same situation, I guess, um, is I obviously I have a manuscript that has got me to this point. So I have a, a publisher, so in my case, Legend Press, who um, have got a, a manuscript that they've sort of accepted and taken on. They've decided that they want to publish my novel. Um, and then the, the, the stage that I've been at, that I've been working on, has been kind of initial comments. So... Um, Lauren at uh, Legend, who is working with me on the book, she gave me sort of a general uh, general feedback um, uh, about about the novel, and it was kind of more it was it, it wasn't kind of really hands on. This is really detailed. Change this word, change this letter, that type of thing. It wasn't that detailed. It was more, I guess, uh, conceptual in the sense that you know, do you think that this could uh, be different here, or do you think that um, this character needs developing more? Um, this bit isn't clear to the audience, it needs to be made more clear, that kind of thing. So I've been, um, what the, the thing that I found difficult, and this is, I think it's fair to say this is mainly my fault, um, if not entirely my fault, is because I'm not as familiar with the book as I was, say, uh, I don't know, 12 months ago, because, you know, I'm, I don't sit reading my own book every night, is that I found it quite difficult to kind of get my head around 250 to 300 pages worth of material and get it into my head again. And the trick, I've, the thing that I found difficult is that if, if I, and, and, it's, and it's the problem with writing a novel or any book of length um, in general, I think, is that if you change one thing, because it's such a vast operation, it, it, it does change things, not just in the next paragraph, but also five chapters down the line or even the ending. So if you change one thing, then you have to be aware of where, it, where it's changed in the entire book. So it can be really, and that kind of, that's daunting because that's that's a lot to get your head around. It's like to try and keep an entire book, you know, almost every sentence to try and keep that in your head is practically impossible. But it feels like that's what you need to do. So that's kind of what I've been wrestling with. Um, and as it's turned out, the, much of the last four to five weeks, I've spent on writing a new chapter. 
So I decided that the solution to some of the queries that uh, Laura, my editor, had given me uh, was to create a new chapter to write something from scratch. And sorry, that's, that's interesting that you that you made that decision, like to 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 make some probably some plot changes, right? I would assume. Um, it was more it was more to try and um, bring out um, a specific character a bit more, okay. uh, and also to explain certain events um, um, in more with more clarity. So, you know, as, as there are with most novels, there are some parts of it that are left to the reader's imagination. So there are some uh, things that are kind of alluded to, but you'll never get it fully explained. And my book uses that kind of device quite a lot. Um, but the feedback was that perhaps a bit too much in places. So what I did was I had a, a, a couple of passes through the novel where I went in and I changed just sentences, just the odd sentence, or just just threw in the odd extra detail to kind of um, transfer the way that I knew the story to be to make sure that it was uh, there was if there was any doubt for certain sections. It's hard to explain this without actually saying those sections, but I don't want to sort of start reading passages. But basically, if it's you know there was a section where there was a, a marriage proposal um, and um, it wasn't clear whether. Um, at what point in time that particular event took place so it was i just threw in a few words just to make it clear when that was happening and and what exactly had happened so it was mainly for clarity and not to leave too many sort of open-ended parts of the book um so i I, I did a pass through with that but yes so then i came to this new chapter and i guess it is quite an interesting thing to do to put in you know what would be two to three thousand words um, into a book at, at this stage of the process. It does seem a bit mad now I think about it. Um, but that's kind of what I was what I was doing, and I spent so much time doing this, and I wasn't sure if it was right. I knew that I would have to change other bits around that chapter and uh, further on in the book, earlier in the book, um, if I was going to going to include this this new this new content because that's kind of i assume that's kind of the risk right so you add this one chapter which then means you might need to make changes which then means you might need to make changes and it's like a perpetual changing thing like to make sure that you're tightening up all the loose ends and not leaving any holes you probably have to think long and hard about what you're adding and that it doesn't change the book too much Yes, and and it's my belief that that is kind of the crux of a good book, of any good book, um, and uh, and with literary fiction, especially, kind of one of its the right. There is more focus on the writing itself. I think that's fair to say. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that the writing is better or anything like that. I do not want to get into that argument at all. Um, but um, there is an expectation that the writing is. Um, sort of fundamental to to the book it's important it's whereas something like well we've just been talking about game of thrones off air so something like um the game of thrones series um you know the um or um no i can't think of any other examples <laughs> maybe even the hunger games or twilight or something like that maybe even harry potter and um, that kind of where it's it's more fast-paced um it's it's there's less focus on the writing and it's all story it's all plot and that's what people, you know, people are gripped by the characters and the story and the plot. But I think with literary fiction, there is focus on the writing um, to, to a greater extent, the style, the style, you know, it can be quite stylistic at times, that kind of thing. So um, uh, to sort of, uh, I've entirely forgotten the question, but yes, the, 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 if you change one thing, you do end up, <laughs> you do end up changing another thing and then another thing. And, and it does sort of, it can be 
Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of the yeah. So that was it. That was the that's the crux of a good book. That's what I was saying. And um, that you do have to. Everything does have a consequence. Every change does have an effect on um, other parts of the book. So that's kind of the dilemma that I was facing. Anyway, it turns out after I I got to a point where I was just couldn't wrestle with it any longer. I just and I couldn't work out where to put this new chapter in the book. So what I did, I sent my uh, I sent sort of a completed manuscript without the chat this new chapter but with lots of other smaller amends. I send that away to, uh, to Lauren, and I said, and here's this chapter that I've been working on. It's not quite finished. I'm not sure whether it's actually worth using or not. And as it turns out, she agreed with me, and that chapter oh. will never make it into the book. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I know, destroying. It's, uh, uh, it destroyed me uh, initially, actually, because <laughs> it does that. I mean, it happens all the time. And it's kind of the concept of murdering your darlings is quite quite common, the idea that sometimes something might be brilliant, but it just won't get used because it's not right for the book. Now, this was kind of, um, it wasn't, this is not, this was not brilliant. It was not going to be like the best part of the book by any stage, but it's still difficult to write a couple of thousand words that you spend a month doing and then just decide that that's actually not appropriate. It doesn't do anything for the story and um, it's not actually necessary. Mm. So that's kind of what's happened. And that's where much of the last four or five weeks has gone. The interesting part of this is um, the, the, I think the problem that I had was that I was, I was and this is, I'm at the, such a late stage in the process, but I think this goes for any stage of writing any book, is that you, you are tempted to try and look for problems um, that aren't necessarily there. So that chapter was, that I wrote was filling a void in my head that didn't actually exist on the page. And, um, and it usually comes from just... Uh, a sense of wanting it to be absolutely perfect and um, having that it has to be right, that whatever you, there has to be right and a sense of, of this kind of being the final product. I mean, that's definitely how I felt because I think that probably because I'm at this stage that whatever I handed over at this point had to be it. I didn't have another chance. It had to be right. So I thought, well, I, I, I don't know if I've solved all these little problems enough by just adding a few sentences here and a few sentences there. So I'm going to write something new and that's going to solve the problem because this is it. I've got no other chance. I have to do something new and solve all these problems in one failed swoop forward slash chapter. And um, I was, I would guess I was wrong. <laughs> um, but it's interesting. And I think it's a dilemma that a lot of writers come across. You kind of want something to be perfect and you can end up working on something for ages and it just doesn't end up being right for the novel um, or the, or the piece of nonfiction. It doesn't matter what it is. You can end up leaving out content on a reg on on a regular basis. Really, you can have a whole a whole kind of file called scrap that you just put all the stuff that you don't actually use, no matter how good it is. Um, it just never sees the light of day. Um, and and the other lesson I guess I've learned as well, which I guess I already knew, but I've learned again, um, is that books uh, are never right. Writing is never finished. You can go on forever. Um, but there comes a point where you have to stop and um, and just hand it over and pass it on. And that's the stage that I'm at now. So I passed, I passed it on. Um, that chapter isn't going to get used. And I've now got another more detailed edit back um, from my editor, Lauren. And that's what I'll be working on next. So it's a bit of to and fro in to get the fine details, excuse me, absolutely perfect. So that's the next kind of stage. But I just thought it was... 
interesting that I've been working for five weeks. I've not, I've not recorded podcasts some weeks, Mike, because it was so important. And as it turns out, I could have recorded a three-hour podcast and everything would have been fine. <laughs> but, um, no one would have even known. Never mind, though. No. You, you, I'm sure you did the right thing in the end. Well, I had to do it in order to realise that it wasn't the right thing to do, in a way. Yeah, which seems a bit crazy, but makes perfect sense. Yes, the idea of that kind of common idea of you have to make mistakes, you have to try things in order to actually get to the solution that's the right one. So um, that's a bit of an update on where I am with the novel. I'm still in the middle of editing it. I'm still very busy. Um, and it's been quite tough, but then I wouldn't really expect it or have it any other way. No. So before we start talking about some social networks, we have, uh, we have a sponsor this week, and that sponsor is Squarespace. So this episode is brought to you by Squarespace, and they are everything you need to create an amazing website. Squarespace provides you with simple and powerful tools to create professional-looking websites. The only limit to them is your imagination. If you have a personal blog or a portfolio, then Squarespace is the perfect place to develop it. But you can even use Squarespace for more ambitious product projects, like, for example, the 70 Decibels site. We have a whole podcasting network, and that runs on a Squarespace platform, which we use. Um, you can design and build your site using their inbuilt professional design templates, and you can fully customize them using their superb tools. So you can drag things, drop things, you can click on stuff and change the colors, and you know if you want to change the font, just click on the area and just select the font that you want. Um, it's very, very easy, and you don't need to know any code at all to be able to make your site look exactly the way that you want it. Also, when you sign up for any annual plan with Squarespace, they're going to give you a custom domain name absolutely free. So you can choose the domain you want um, with domains including .com, .net, .org and more, and it remains yours. You don't need to jump through any hoops of changing around what's called A records or C names, or so you don't need to go in and dig around in a domain to change anything about. Squarespace takes care of absolutely everything for you right out of the box. We're going to be talking about Squarespace a little more throughout the month of May but we urge you to go sign up now. You can go to squarespace.com forward slash 70 decibels to start your two-week free trial. No credit card needed for this. And then if and then when you decide to buy, if you decide to sign up, you, if you enter the coupon code 70 decibels 5 at checkout, you'll get 10% off your first purchase. And all the information you need will be in the show notes. That's Squarespace. It's a heck of a deal. It's a great deal. 10%. Whew. It's good. And a free and th- domain. What could you want? And it's. Uh, and I think that's actually a very good point. And I've said to you before. Again, we've talked about Game of Thrones and Squarespace. They were our topics of discussion before we started. And we, I said that I thought that Squarespace was um, uh, a really good option for a lot of people that listen to and follow Right for Your Life. I think um, that's you, listeners. Um, because it's um, writers on a lot of writers aren't necessarily completely up on the techno side of things, and um, and yet we're all expected to be able to have our own blog, have our own author's website, or whatever it might be. And one thing that Squarespace uh, does is allow you to make it look different to other people's sites. So it has templates, but you can actually change them without actually having to do any code, and that is actually a very important thing for. Um, I think people who aren't particularly techy, but that's not to say it's necessary. I've been, you know, had a go at Squarespace myself. I've had a play around and signed up and all that kind of thing, and um, and it, it's it's really good. And the, the fact that you can kind of just move things around on the page and add modules and take them away and put content where you want it, 
um, without having to actually know any code whatsoever is it's a really good selling point. And and the other thing that I would say, and I probably should save this, I guess, because we're going to talk about this next week as well. But the other thing that I think is um, is kind of a bit of a red herring is the fact that you have to you have to pay. So it's it, you have to pay for. Uh, Squarespace, it's uh, it's kind of a monthly fee, I think, or it's an an, an annual fee. You can do either. You can do monthly or annual, but you get yeah. discounts for for signing up for annual. But I know that, that obviously there are free services out there, but it's it's kind of a complete something like Tumblr. You would expect to be free, something like. But you still have to pay for the domain name. Something like WordPress, you might think, oh, that's free, and I can change that. But a, you have to, you do have to know the code. And you know, have to know how to set it up. But you also have to pay for your hosting. You do have to pay for a domain name, and it actually works out like it's the, the price difference is not an issue whatsoever, also, which like I think is really you, important to note. If you want to make your Tumblr site, for example, look different, you need to buy a theme, right? If you want to make it look, you want to make it stand out, and not necessarily look like a Tumblr site, you need to buy a theme for it, and that's all built into Squarespace. And those themes can they can set you back a pretty penny. They can indeed. As can WordPress themes. Oh yes. Oh, don't I know it? Um, so let's talk about Pinterest. Okay, why don't you talk about Pinterest? I don't use Pinterest. Ah, but what's your perception of Pinterest? Oh, this is a... I don't know if I want to say this. But uh, Pinterest seems to kind of be a social network, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's pro- it seems to be primarily female-focused because um, there's, there's a lot of fashion stuff seems to go through Pinterest. Um, and it seems to be, as well, it, it's a social network for people that are not very typically social networky. It's like the Facebook crowd, right? So everyone, not just the Twitter users. So normal people? Regular people. And who do writers want to sell their books to? Regular people, Ian. Heck yeah. That's it. That's the seg- that's the segment on Pinterest over. <laughs> <laughs> so explain uh, explain Pinterest to, to okay. someone who's never used it before. Okay, so Pinterest is kind of it's a, it is a social network, but it's very visual. So you basically um, find pictures on the internet and you can pin them to a Pinterest board, and you can have several Pinterest boards within your Pinterest profile, um, and you can f- follow other people who are pinning things to their boards or you can follow their individual boards within their Pinterest profiles. So there's a lot of pinning going on. There are lots, lots of boards. Pi- lots of boards, lots of pictures, and there are millions and millions of people that are using it. You are right that the demographics does tend to be female, but again the demographic for um readers in general tends to be female. Um uh, especially for fiction. Um and I think that the media, the tech media especially, have focused on that for, um, uh, I don't really know why they have. I think it's mainly because the tech world um, and the tech sort of news people tend to be male. And for some reason, because it's female, they've decided it's just sort of not their thing, <laughs> to, put it, try to put it politely. Please don't put me in that category. If I've no, tried it out and I just don't. I just don't know what I would personally use it for. Like, it's a nice little service. It looks great. I signed up, um, but I don't need another place to put things. I've I've got enough of that. No, I, and I and I understand that completely. And and I I thought that as well. I set it up. I set up my own profile, um, and 
And I st- I used it a little bit because it's got lots of good kind of interior design stuff. So when we moved into our new house, it was really good for kind of, I just saw like, you know, inspiration type uh, images of kitchens and bedrooms and things like that. So I used it for that. Um, uh, I have a board called Home Ideas or House Ideas or something. So that was great. Um, but um, recently I've, kind of i read a couple of blog posts about it which was specifically about writing and i just kind of dawned on me that there are all these people using it and they are normal people it's not it's not a techie thing like twitter was when that first started um and um and it's not like facebook where you kind of have a limited amount of people and they're only you know it's a very personal kind of very personal kind of network uh how i could use it more so I could ha- I have a board for my favorite books, for instance. So I could have that page on my website, I suppose, or I could, I could even have um, just a list, uh, or I could occasionally say on Twitter. But to actually have for someone to to be able to send someone a link and to uh, go to like a matrix of book covers, which are all my favorite books, is actually I think quite interesting. You know, and me as an author, people are, tend to be interested in what other authors read, mm-hmm. and I thought that's quite. I suddenly thought, oh, yeah, I suppose that would be quite interesting. I'd be interested in reading what other people, uh, what, what their favourite books are. And then uh, another um, another way of using it, which I thought was, I just hadn't thought about it at all, um, was kind of uh, like settings in your novel, for instance. So for Ace for Angelica, my novel is set in kind of a northern, uh, a, like a mining town, open cast mining town in northern England. There isn't a huge amount of description in in the novel, in really, and I don't actually give, give it a name in this town. But I could sort of create a Pinterest board with sort of relevant images, just to kind of create an atmosphere and a kind of feel to it. Now, I don't know if I am going to do that because, to a degree, I suppose that kind of I want people to create that image in their own head when they're reading. But you can see how I can see how other people might use it in that way. I'm not saying that I won't. I don't know yet, but you I can could see. Use it- personally is like a mood board or something can you say so you could just keep that to yourself and, and exactly. find images that you want that place to look like so you're able to better better describe it that's a, a, a fantastic exactly that's the, exactly the sort of um, thing i'm talking about it could be um like you, you could be working on a novel and you want to set it in some sort of futuristic um world and so you go and grab lots of um, images or stills from films or film posters, stick them in a board, and you have them there for inspiration. But not just that, you can share them with the world, and people kind of, oh, I wonder what that is. And then you spark a conversation, and you say, oh, this is the book I'm working on. And before you know it, you've got a new friend on the internet. Um, so I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to give it the, ben- the benefits of the doubts um, and give it a bit of a try. So you, if you want to follow me, you can. It's pinterest.com slash... Ian Broom, um, and I'm just sort of starting out with it. But I guess my the point of bringing it up here was that I think a lot of people have dismissed it, and I think part of the reason they've dismissed it is because it got so much kind of news. Um, it got a lot of um, uh, a lot of uh, coverage, and because the, so many people were using it, um, uh, it turned out. And um, kind of and came think, out of nowhere, like yeah, for people in this space, like. It, it it was there wasn't even like the regular tech early adopters. It kind of, I think, found an insurgence through Facebook. Um, so it, it kind of just picked up steam that way, and then all of a sudden, it had earned it got up to like five million users, and no one had ever heard of it before. It was very peculiar. 
yeah, it, it, you're right. That is kind of how it seemed to be. Um, but the figures are kind of, they're there. They're impressive. It's being used by an awful lot of people. Yep. And, um, and it's good. It works. It's kind of, it's kind of, you know, there are no kind of, it's obvious how it works. It's easy to do. And, um, and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of all right. There's nothing really wrong with it. The criticism that it kind of has, the kind of stereotypes that it's received, I think are probably a bit harsh. I think another problem came, I mean, I've really, I've, I've written a couple of negative remarks, not about Pinterest, but about the way that every blog and its dog decided to write a blog post that had the word Pinterest in its title within a five minutes of it becoming sort of exploding. All of a sudden, every had te- everyone had, it, it was a bit like the episode we recorded about blogging a few episodes ago. So every, there were so many um, blog posts that read 10, 10 killer ways to create the perfect Pinterest board, that kind of thing. Oh, it's just, oh, God, painful. So um, I think that kind of, uh, that added to my kind of negativity about it. But I'm going to give it a go. And I, 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 kind, of, I kind of imagine it as like a, a friendlier, more social Flickr. That's kind of how I'm thinking about it. Flickr seems like a place to store your own photos, where this seems like a place, to, like a combination where you can, you can post for your own photos, but you can also kind of show stuff that you're inspired by or create a, photo, a group of photos around a specific theme. And that's kind of... Um, what I'm interested in using it for. So I'll uh, see how it goes, see if it's useful, check the web stats, see if it's pointing people towards anything of mine that means anything, and uh, report back. I look forward to it. Crikey, half an hour, time's getting on, so we'll do the tumble thing quickly, see mm-hmm. if we can get through it in five minutes. Okay. We don't, we don't want to bore these people. No, we don't want to do that. So, what do you make of Tumblr? <laughs> Tumblr's been around for some time, and um, when it, when it started out, it was very much aimed at the geeks, right? So it wasn't wasn't like Pinterest at all, um, and it was just a place where we could all go and we could all make a really quick and easy blog. And you could there wasn't really any blogging platforms like it where you could post quotes and videos and stuff. At that time, it was like post text in this box, right? So we all liked it because it was different, and it brought an age of blogging where it was fine to just post a picture. And that was okay as a blog post. Um, that went along for a while, and, and you know, it built up its steam. And all of a sudden, like, <clears throat> kind of like Pinterest in a way, it exploded. Um, and now it's full of, pretty much full of, half-naked ladies, mainly posted by other ladies, um, and owls stuff like that. <laughs> That's kind of what I see a lot. Um, is that is that probably a right right thing to say about Tumblr? Like it just seems like it's become this big thing now that we're no longer a part of. Well, it's interesting you should say that because that's part of the reason that I loved it in the first place. So I've been using Tumblr for a long time. It was kind of, I guess, my first website, really, mm-hmm. um, of my own. It was under my own name, and I there are I because it's a social network. There are people that. I know via the internet who um, uh, I met, who I know now, sort of know now still. It was my first experience, really, of, of seeing how the internet could be used to find other blogs or find out about other people doing similar sort of thing as you. It was kind of a real eye-opener for me using Tumblr. But that was because of the community. Now, I think I, I, think I made a similar mistake to, to what you seem to have, uh, so the mistake you seem to have made, which is follow too many people. So back then I was following, say, 50 to 100 people so that my stream was always by topics that I was interested in or by people that I was interested in. 
And um, as I kind of wanted to, and this is, I think, a mistake people make on Twitter. Well, it doesn't. I say mistake. You can do it however you want. It was a mistake for me. Um, is to, in order to try and get people to follow you, you follow them, and um, and when and then when people start following you, you kind of feel obliged to follow back. And before you know it, you before you know it, you're following loads of people, and they're sending you pictures of owls, which I mean. I like pictures of owls, but I know I know what you're saying. There are a lot of pictures of owls on Tumblr. Like I don't, I don't think that's incorrect to say, right? It seems like there's a lot of them. I, I, I don't know. No, I think I think I think you're right. But <laughs> that's I do think that that do, obviously depends. If you follow people who post picture pictures of owls, then that's what you're going to get. That's what you're going to see. Owl, owl blog But here's the thing: if we if I was to start. Uh, if I was to start a blog from scratch now, um, then I think I probably would go with Tumblr. And part of the reason I would go with Tumblr, I think, is because it's easy to post, and I now post link posts and things like that. Um, and partly because um, because of the community. So in my time over Tumblr, I built up sort of 1,200 followers. So 1,200 people follow my Tumblr site, which is... Um, ianbroom.tumblr.com or broomstick.com is what I've been calling it these days. But the truth of the matter is there's, there's so much overlap with Write for Your Life, which is my main blog with, you know, that I, my serious blog, um, that I don't really post to um, my Tumblr site very often anymore and I struggle to know what to post there really. It's tough to, um, it's tough to make a distinction between the two because, you know, Especially in especially in the next couple of weeks, because Write for Your Life, the blog, I think as I've mentioned before, is eventually going to become ianbroom.net, and then the lines are blurred even more. So, what's the difference between ianbroom.net and broomstick.com? Um, what do I post where? I mean, I don't think there is much of a distinction. So, this is why I'm kind of left with a dilemma: Do I get rid of it completely, or do I stick with it because I've got 1,200 followers? And um, and that's kind of a useful thing, and I you know, shouldn't, shouldn't take it lightly, and don't want to get rid of them. So what do you what do you kind of do with that kind of di- dilemma? And I guess the dilemma is how many different platforms do you really need to be on? I guess that's kind of the question that I'm asking, especially when they apparently seem to do the same kind of thing, which is the problem I have here. So I guess you could argue that I'm on a platform, WordPress and blogging in that kind of way. How different would it be to blogging on Tumblr? Um, similar sorts of things. So that's kind of my dilemma. And, um, um, and I don't, I don't really know what to do about it to be perfectly honest. I guess, I mean, it's, it's not much of a problem. It's a very first world problem, but it's the sort of thing you have to think about when you've got, um, when you're an author, when you're when you're a writer, because you you want you want kind of one solid, specific brand, one place to send people to. I don't want people, to, for instance, I don't want people to type in Ian Broom and get to to get to my Tumblr site first, which could always happen. They might just stumble upon a link and um, and end up there first, and I don't really want that. Um, so the, I guess the question I need to ask myself is how engaged are those Tumblr followers? And I'm not entirely sure that they are that engaged. But then when I think that, along comes some random post that I put up there and I get like 100 likes or whatever it is. And I kind of think, crikey, that's that's quite a lot. I should probably use this more often. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not much of a dilemma, but it is interesting, the kind of the overlap of of your own kind of 
um, I guess, brand almost across different platforms and how you manage it. Um, but also, like I said, I think if I was to start from scratch, I probably would go with Tumblr because it's so easy to use and there is that community kind of built in. Um, but it's apart from Squarespace, apart from Squarespace, they're um, different beasts. They are different beasts. <laughs> I mean, Squarespace is like it's to create a blog, and your blog, you know, is is whatever you want it to be. But Tumblr is a is a community thing. It's yeah, very different. Like as I said, Tumblr is just like. Images, audio files, links—that's kind of what's on Tumblr. But you can, but you can run it perfectly. I mean, look at our pal Patrick Rohn. He runs an incredibly successful uh, website entirely through Tumblr. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are lots of it just. You, you are right. I know you're saying there are pictures of owls, and you can just post something up in a kind of frivolous kind of way. <laughs> but there are lots of people doing serious blogging on Tumblr as well. It's a, it's a genuine option. But it's just it's kind of it's not the right option for me. It's not the right option for my main site that I send people to as a writer, as an author, as a person who pr- pretends to give out advice to people. So it's um, it's a uh, it's a case of how important it is. I mean, what what Mike? How important do you think it is for you and for seventy decibels to be on different platforms? So you you use Squarespace on mm-hmm. seventy decibels for um, the main seventy decibels site. That's where people go. That's the main thing. They go there for the podcasts. They go there to subscribe, to get the links to subscribe to the podcast, podcasts in iTunes, Instacast, that kind of thing. That's your main hub. Are you not, and you don't have a Tumblr site, are you not tempted to set up a 70 decibels Tumblr site where you can, um, you can kind of engage with this, the community that's on Tumblr and post different types of posts? It might not be content that you create, but it might be just little bits and bobs that are relevant to the shows that you're recording each week. It would be great, but I don't have the time for it. Right. You know, I mean, in, in an ideal world, Ian, I would be on all In an services. ideal world. Yep, I've never heard that song before. Um, what? What was that? Who sings in an, that? In an ideal world, you can we can find... Forget it. Honestly, I, sometimes you make it sound like I'm 20, 30 years older than you. In an ideal world. Who sings that? I can't remember who sings it. You sung me that other song before, didn't you? I've just, I've just sang on a podcast and now you don't even know. <laughs> embarrassing. Okay. Oh, yeah, I know who that is. Well, have you just Googled it? No. I was just saying it. I'm just trying to make you feel better. So, as I was saying before, Ian broke into musical. Um, in an ideal world, I would be on all of these services. Like, we would have a Pinterest. We'd have it all because that's kind of what you have to do. Right, if you want to get maximum exposure, um, you, you've got to kind of be on all of these services. But I don't, it takes a lot of time to manage that stuff properly. I think um, so. You've got to really just choose. I think personally, you've got to choose what works for you from a time perspective and an effectiveness standpoint. I can't run our website on Tumblr. Can't do it. No. So I choose Squarespace because it allows me to do everything I need in the time frame that I need as easy as I need it to be. Admittedly, we don't have people that can follow us like they do on Tumblr, but I don't think right now that is something that's massively important for me to the point where I would need to start a whole new Tumblr thing, you know, just to make sure that I satisfy that part of the market. Yeah. And maybe that's the um, maybe that is the uh, maybe that's the crux of it. It's whatever you have time to do, and maybe yeah. I just need to find a different way of using Tumblr in the time that I have. Maybe I ought to not worry about it so much. If I have something that's kind of not appropriate for my main site, maybe I just stick it on there. 
I think it's. I can okay. see there being more um, appropriateness for you than me. You know, with, with what you do. Um, there's maybe more to link to and, and, and stuff like that. I mean, you do have another Tumblr site that you haven't mentioned. I've not. I've barely mentioned that to anyone, but it's doing it's doing quite surprisingly well. Oh, so should we not mention it then? No, you can mention it. That's fine. Which is a website for writers, right? So it's, it's websites or website for writers. Uh, websites for writers, and that um, seems to be doing quite well. I mean, and that is a that is a Tumblr blog if I've ever seen one, right? You're not posting pictures of owls, but there's links and there's pictures. I mean, that's what you're posting. You're not really writing long form stuff. Not at all. I just it's like a it's a collection of uh, good websites for writers, and that's the perfect use of Tumblr. That's kind of, th these days that is what Tumblr is pretty much for. That's what it does, right? You 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 share things on Tumblr, kind of like Pinterest, but Pinterest is a lot more um, pictures. I think just in yeah. general, and it's you know, it, I, I'd say probably. Pinterest and Tumblr are probably competitors in some, mm. in some way or another. Yeah. But I feel like we're going down to a very deep rabbit hole now, and we should probably wrap this thing up. Probably. I think I think I just need to make a decision, and um, I should probably have just spoken to you this off-air instead of singing to you, and it was the Christians. That was the name of the... All of them. That was the name of the... Uh... <laughs> I thought you were saying it was their fault. I didn't know where we were going with that. No, that is not... It's not that kind of podcast, but it's no. Ideal World uh, by the Christians. It'll be in the show notes. Yes. I'll find it on YouTube. Dear. It's there. If it's not there, it means that you were definitely wrong for singing it to me. Because if it's not on YouTube, then it barely exists. Well, fingers crossed. <laughs> I'm slightly mortified. You can tell the kind of tone of my voice has kind of gone a bit, kind of gone a bit downhill. I think oh, we should probably just leave we, this. We definitely should. Do you just want to drop the microphone and walk away? Kind of. And I'm I think I'm, pro I'm probably going to just get rid of my Tumblr site as well. Because of this? Just because of everything. Oh, You are, are you going to keep your Twitter? Um, three and a half thousand followers can't be wrong. Got to keep that. So what, where, if you want to be part of the Ian Bruin army on Twitter, how can one person? <laughs> how can some person do this? Um, it's uh, I A I N B R O O M E Ian Bruin on Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, on Facebook, you can go to. Oh. I'm sorry, but you can Facebook.com forward slash Ian Broom author. Very very wonderful place to go. And, um, of course, writeforyourlife.net is the blog of the podcast. You are very socially connected. Yeah, Pinterest forward slash Ian Broom. You can go there. <laughs> as describes. I am uh, iMike on Twitter. I-M-Y-K-E. That's, that's all I have for you. I'm not as socially connected <laughs> as, as the Broomster is. Indeed. And, of course, all the other wonderful podcasts on the 70 Decibels Network. If you're interested in technology or pens or working from home or various other things, you should listen to other podcasts too. But I'm sure that many of you do anyway. They're better, Ed. Right, until next week. It's been a pleasure. Farewell. See ya.